This is episode number 245, The Plant-Based Athlete with Robert Cheek. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. It all comes down to showing up. You've got to be at the starting line in order to achieve those things. And what it means to even get to the starting line. Like you have to dig deeper. You have to figure out why you're doing it, why it matters to you, why you're there, what it's going to mean to you when you do it, what it can mean to you if you don't, if you don't even try. Those kind of things really connected with me and made me want to work harder while I was writing the book. If you're new around here, big welcome. So glad to have you here. And if you are a frequent listener, we love you. Thanks so much for being a part of this great community and for leaving your reviews and subscribing to the show. If you love topics like mindset, motivation, productivity, and how to be better every day, and I'm guessing you do if you're listening to the show, have you subscribed to my newsletter? Subscribe to my newsletter. It comes out every Monday. I work really hard on it and it is a lot of fun. And I always cover topics like you would hear on this podcast and I try to bring value every week. And the feedback I've been receiving from those of you who are subscribed has been awesome. I was a writer long before I was a podcaster, long before I was a speaker and actually long before I was a professional athlete. So I really enjoy the process of writing. I love being able to connect with people on a deeper level and give actionable takeaways. So go to sonyalooney.com slash newsletter to sign up and we'll see you every Monday. I'm really excited about today's guest. He is a friend of mine, and he is a force to be reckoned with. Robert Cheek is 220 pounds of pure muscle. And all the time you hear stories about people losing weight, losing 100 pounds. And that's amazing to lose weight and to be healthier. But we rarely hear stories about people trying to gain weight. And Robert is a vegan bodybuilder. He's the author of four books and a motivational speaker. He has impacted many lives and he wants people to feel strong and confident in their body. And that's exactly what he wanted to do when he was 15 in 1995 and changed his diet. And he went from 120 pounds over the years to 220 pounds. He's won competitions as a vegan bodybuilder. He is a natural bodybuilder, which means he doesn't do drugs. And his amazing physique shows his dedication to health, hard work, consistency, and that anything is possible if you're willing to try. And those themes not only show up in his athletic life, but all throughout his life as well. And you'll definitely hear that in this episode. Robert is the author of four books with his most recent book, The Plant-Based Athlete, available for pre-sale now. It comes out in June. I've ordered my copy. I've ordered copies for friends because it's amazing. It chronicles exactly how to succeed as a plant-based athlete across many, many disciplines of sports. And it also includes stories and advice from plant-based Olympians, world champions, and successful athletes so that you can see yourself in somebody else's story and feel like you can do it too. And I was deeply honored to be featured in this amazing book and humbled to be on the list with some of these legends. So make sure you pre-order a copy of the book if you want to check it out, or you can order it after it comes out from your bookstore or Amazon or wherever you like books coming out in June. And it also has more than 60 scrumptious plant-based recipes and even a few of my own. And speaking of my recipes, if you haven't picked up a copy, a digital copy that is, of my Plant Powered Academy cookbook, you can get that at moxieandgrit.com. 
Literally hundreds and hundreds of people have bought this cookbook. It's received a lot of positive feedback. And I've worked really hard to make sure that these meals are simple, easy, and delicious because I don't like spending a lot of time cooking. I don't have a lot of time to cook. And I like super flavorful and filling meals. So go to moxieandgrit.com and check out the Plant Powered Academy cookbook. We also still have our Facebook group. It is called the Plant Powered Academy by Sonia Looney on Facebook. We have over 2,300 members and it is more like a forum. People are helping each other out. Some people are plant curious who just want to add more plants into their diet. It's not about drawing a line in the sand and just helping each other out. So if you want to join this great community, go to Facebook and join the Plant Powered Academy. And it's also on Instagram as well. Back to Robert. In this episode, you'll hear themes of showing up, work ethic, confidence, and not giving up. We talked about how bodybuilding changed his confidence and identity, the problem with leading with ego. And Robert is so genuine and authentic. And he talks about things that most of us wouldn't want to talk about in a public forum. We talked about his ego checking moment, tips for building muscle, and what it was like to co-write the plant-based athlete with Matt Frazier. Matt Frazier, you might know as the No Meat Athlete, and they're an amazing company now with a few different brands under their belt. And Matt is also a very experienced writer. Big thank you and shout out to those of you who are supporting my work on Patreon. I've actually revamped it. And if you support my work, you get exclusive access to things like live streams, workbooks, a quarterly mastermind group, ebooks, discounts, best of the month newsletter, and so much more. So go to patreon.com slash the Sonia Looney show. All it takes is a couple of bucks to unlock access to all these amazing add-ons. And if you are interested in human performance and being your best, check out Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is a company that gives you the reins to your own health. You go into a lab or you could also have somebody come to your house and they take your blood and they measure over 30 biomarkers like cortisol, inflammation, magnesium, vitamin D, ferritin, so many different things so that you can gain insights into where maybe you could use a little bit of help. And not only do they make recommendations to lifestyle, but they also cater to whatever diet or whatever lifestyle choices you already subscribe to. So for me, they make plant-based recommendations instead of telling me to eat something that I wouldn't normally eat. They also offer inner age testing and each biomarker shows an optimized range of how you can be better. And by that, I mean, you get to choose whatever goal you're after, if it's gut health, if it's endurance sports, if it's heart health, if it's sleep, and they can help you make these choices and you can have more power over your health and fitness. Being able to increase your performance and see tangible results is not only motivating, but it helps you know that you're on the right track. So go to insidetracker.com slash Sonia to get 25% off all of their tests and you won't be disappointed. And last, they have an amazing blog. I personally read it and love it. And I share lots of their links because they have so much interesting information that they put out there about performance, diet, and supplements and stuff that is backed by science. So let's get into today's episode with Robert Cheek. Let's do it, Robert. How's it going? I'm great, Sonia. How are you? I'm doing well. It's so fun to get to sit down. And before we hit record, I just said, I just want to sit here and talk to you all day without actually doing a podcast. <laughs> well, let's just continue it on the podcast. Yeah. So thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. I've been excited to talk with you. I, I found you incredibly inspirational and had the great pleasure to interview you for my book. So this is really cool to be on the show today. Yeah. And for me, that's like such a huge honor to be included in this book. I'm so thankful and I can't wait to talk about it more. Awesome. Well, I, I look forward to sharing it 
<laughs> as well. So to not tease the audience too much, the book is called The Plant-Based Athlete. And you have been a plant-based athlete for, you said, a quarter of a century, <laughs> which is a long time. Yep. Um, can you talk about your athletic background? Like what made you decide to change your diet? And you were pretty young when you did. Yeah, absolutely. I was in high school. I was a five-sport athlete. I was super into soccer and basketball and cross country and track and field and wrestling and even recreationally, you know, played baseball and tennis. But as far as my my high school, you know, I was I was just one of these go-getters. I had to have the fastest mile run in school and I tried to make it on all the charts of the physical fitness, you know, records in in school and and had the opportunity to play some varsity sports and we were ranked number one in the state in both soccer and, and I guess ranked number one in soccer, ranked number two in cross country and, uh, you know, had a chance to play at a high level in certain sports and uh, with athletes who went on to be professionals and in, in various sports and and compete at, you know, at elite levels. And, you know, I grew up, but I also, you know, grew up on a farm out in Western Oregon. And that's where I was, you know, born and raised, you know, my entire life. And I was involved with, uh, you know, the 4-H program and showing animals at the county fair, like uh, like cows and chickens and rabbits and guinea pigs and all of that. And it was really through that experience and through my older sister Tanya's influence that I decided to become vegan. I had no intentions of doing so, for the record. I, you know, I was eating meat sandwiches and burgers and all this on a regular basis, like everybody else that I knew, but my sister had become a vegetarian at a young age, maybe eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old in the early 1990s. And so by the time 1995 rolled around, she was organizing an animal rights week at our high school. You know, one of these things with speakers and videos of factory farming and animal testing and literature about some of the hidden things behind how food gets to your plate. And so I thought out of respect for my older sister, I'll go check that out. You know, I'll just go sit in on it and listen in. And and I just decided that, you know, after watching those videos, and especially some were hard, you know, to watch animal testing and animals with their their hands and legs tied down while things are put in their eyes. And, you know, there's a lot of cruelty out there that I decided, you know, this is not something that I want to be part of. And I'm going to give this a shot longer than a week. And sure enough, it's been something like 1300 weeks now. And I'm in my 26th year doing this. So after I started at age 15 in 95, weighing in just 120 pounds, a quarter century later, I'm, I'm weighing 220 pounds and have you know been a champion bodybuilder and have written a bunch of books on the topics of building muscle on a plant-based diet. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that think that, oh, plant-based athletes or vegan athletes are the leaner, smaller, and I, I don't mean to say you're not lean, but you know, the smaller body that's like the endurance athlete. And there are right. some really impressive and incredible bodybuilders or, you know, strength athletes like yourself out there. What was the mental part of gaining a hundred pounds like? You know, that was a challenge because I was always built to be an endurance athlete. I was built like a runner. There's no question. I mean, I was a uh, I, I ran cross country uh, collegiately as well after high school. I mean, that's just what I did. I was a long distance runner and I was a soccer player, basketball player. I was involved in track and field and, and mostly the endurance events in track and field. So my body was built for that. 
and, and I was pretty good at it, you know? And so normally you gravitate towards what you're good at because you find success, you win medals, you, you build confidence, you find enjoyment, you have camaraderie with other people who uh, experience the same things you do and train the same way and find the same joy from it. But there was something about being a smaller kid that I always wanted to be bigger and stronger. You know, partly it was growing up in the 1980s and watching pro wrestling like Hulk Hogan and, <laughs> and uh, you know, Bret Hart, throw a Canadian out there. You know, it was there was something about that. There was even something compelling about animated programs like He-Man and Captain Planet. You know, these muscular people that were trying to make a difference in the world around them. That resonated with me, as silly as it sounds, like that resonated with me. I wanted to get bigger and stronger. So my number one question, Sonia, was, man, if I'm going to do this vegan thing, do I have to compromise my long-term goals? You know, getting bigger and stronger. Will I not be able to do that? Because I watch the TV commercials that milk does a body good and watch the guys get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as they consume more milk. And I would drink so much that I would sometimes have to like, spit it out, you know, outside over the railing on the porch because I was just get, feeling sick from, I was just determined to do whatever I could to get big and strong. So I had to really trust the process, uh, to be honest. I didn't, you know, back in the mid nineties, no public internet for most people. A lot of people didn't even have computers at home and there weren't books out there or a lot of resources. And I had to kind of carve my own path and figure out how to do it. And I always thought that man, if I could just figure out how to build muscle as a vegan, I, I could inspire other people to do the same and we could save some lives in the process. Like that was my thought process. It was, how can I do this for myself to achieve my own goals while also doing it for the cause that inspired me to be vegan in the first place? And that was that's just the truth. That was my ambition. That was the goal. That was the impetus behind this. That's what I wanted to do. And so- I, I went after it and I struggled at first and you have to, you've got to kind of like take yourself back there if you can and visualize this skinny guy in the gym lifting little weights. And, you know, there's every reason to quit or give up. You know, it's not really in the cards for me. It's not really my, my body type. It's not where I'm going to excel. Uh, in fact, I'm, you know, in, in a way being kind of teased for it because there's no expectation that I'm going to find success as a, a vegan strength athlete when those didn't really exist at the time, or at least not that people were aware of. But I had, I just, I had this ability, I talk about it now, is this ability to connect the dots ahead of time. Like I knew if I put in the work then as a teenager, I knew that someday in my 20s, I would get bigger, that I could compete as a bodybuilder once I discovered that was even a sport, and that I could win championships championships and that I eventually could write about it because I always wanted to write books. And so it was all part of this connecting the dots ahead of time, doing things now that will impact me years down the road. And so that's what I did. And I eventually figured it out, how to eat a calorie surplus in order to build muscle and put on weight, um, how to weight train and challenge my body to respond and, and get bigger and stronger. And so that's what I did. Wow. And you said that you could connect the dots looking forward. And that requires a few things, confidence and intuition, and also self-trust, because to be able to be a pioneer in this area, especially when, you, like you said, there was no internet, there was no book, and you were a teenager. Where did that come from? It's hard to tell exactly where that drive came from. 
you know, I'd like to think it came from perhaps growing up on a farm and having a farming background, which was, you know, inherently it's just, it's harder work than a lot of other people have to do. And not to say that I was this incredible hard worker on the farm, but, you know, I had to do chores that would sometimes take hours, take hours to do and, and, and bottle feeding baby calves before getting on the school bus and feeding chickens and watering the garden and doing all these different things that it took time out of my day. In addition to my sports practice and in addition to school, in addition to social and aspects and life and everything else. So I really think there was something perhaps instilled from my parents and from my background and from my childhood of growing up on a farm where it was like hard work was valued. You know, and then I just found my own role models as a teenager. You know, I was obsessed with Steve Prefontaine. I still have a poster of him, you know, on my wall right there, <laughs> you know, uh, who was one of America's greatest running legends. And I, you know, I modeled a lot of my my work ethic after, you know, after him and of other famous athletes. You know, I was I grew up in the era of following Michael Jordan and Bo Jackson and athletes that I thought were just amazing and phenomenal. And I sort of started to surround myself with other people who were go-getters and good athletes. And I had great coaches and teachers and role models in that area. But I was also kind of, you know, strange or, or, or unique in a way that I would, as a teenager, I would plaster my bedroom wall with expressions like demand excellence. And I would have you know, my stopwatch went off every day at a certain time in the afternoon. And it said like, you know, you will be successful. You know, I had this like, you know, Timex or whatever, a sports watch that every day, at, you know, it in the afternoon, it would go off and remind me that I and have a little message on there. And that I would journal every day, you know, you know, that was the early stages of my, of my writing, I would write hundreds of pages. And, and every single day, I would, at the end of the day, I would write down something that I was proud of, you know, I'm proud of this today. And this is me as a teenage kid as a teenage athlete and i'm writing about oftentimes my running or my, my soccer my you know even recreationally playing football and other sports experiences where i really enjoyed it or really excelled or you know today i won this race or today i i didn't do so well or you know how come my team can't win i'm i'm tired of losing and all of these things these were all part of my experience i I had a room decorated with Carl Lewis and Michael Jordan and Bo Jackson and Mark McGuire and all these uh, Jackie Joyner, Kersey, you know, male and female athletes, you know, on my on my wall. And I just aspired to someday be a good athlete myself. And I would look at those messages like demand excellence. And that was like, okay, this is what I got to do. And then I was always reminded of why I was doing it. I had a, you know, those notebooks, like those spiral bound you know, you, your binder, you take to school. Uh, mine, I put a, a message on there that said, if you love animals called pets, why do you eat animals called dinner? And that was, you know, for me and everyone else to see. But it was just another reminder of why I'm doing this and what I want to accomplish as a result. And then I just worked hard as an athlete. I, I think I realized connecting the dots back then that, you know, our time is finite and that's on a daily basis a yearly basis and in a lifetime, and we have 1,440 minutes every day, what can I do to maximize my experience and get the most out of this? And then I would make decisions based on that. Yeah, it's definitely inspirational. And it sounds like the work ethic and the athletes that you admired that displayed high performance and that work ethic kept you going. And it also sounds like 
you know, you did all these different sports and you really were introspective about that. And sports taught you who you were, are and wanted to be. Yeah, it was, you know, part of it was almost like cliche, like you'd see it in a documentary film or something where I enjoyed doing the little things. Like if I had a period off in high school, I would go out in the soccer field by myself with a soccer ball and practice. You know, I remember one summer, you know, we were the number one ranked team in the in the state of Oregon in soccer. And we had just won the state championship in 1996. And I was trying to make from the junior varsity B team, not even the A team, to the varsity team. And I and I I rented a soccer skills VHS tape from the local public library. And then I hired my younger brother, you know, paid him $10 or something to practice skills with me. And, you know, sure enough, I went from like the junior varsity B team to a starter on the varsity team for the number one ranked team in the state of Oregon from one, just one summer of doing these little things. And I've always kind of done that. I've always wanted to be, you know, the the hardest working person in the gym or the person who's out on the field the longest or first to arrive and last to leave. And it's just been part of me. And that's how, that's the approach I take to writing books. It's the approach I take to business or selling products or working in sales like I did for Vega for 10 years, another Canadian shout out. That's just been instilled in me like to go the extra mile and do what is necessary to achieve a level of fulfillment and joy and excellence, which is what I was seeking all along and doing it for particular reasons. You know, like I want to make a difference in the lives of others. I want to make a difference in the world around me. I became vegan for a reason. That reason was not just for me. In fact, it wasn't for me. And I wanted to display that. I wanted to show whether we're talking about high school or beyond, especially as I got into bodybuilding that yes, you can, you know, yes, you can build muscle on a plant-based diet and and I'll show you because I've done it. Uh, That was my mindset. So let's talk about how you did that, because like you said, there wasn't a lot of information and maybe someone listening is like, yeah, like I've been a, you know, a smaller bodied endurance athlete and I wish that I could build muscle and maybe they've even struggled to build muscle on an animal based diet. So like, what are your best tips on building muscle? Yeah, well, I can tell you, Sonia, that I, that I failed dramatically at first, like I failed incredibly. (laughs) And so I'll tell you that briefly. Uh, It was epic. You know, I I was introduced to the sport of bodybuilding by a childhood friend, and we're still great friends today. We're in touch pretty much daily. He's actually not only helped me get into bodybuilding, he's helped me with all of my books. He's been a big supporter and cheerleader and critic of my work, which has helped me improve. And we started lifting weights. And I, at that point, I weighed like 155 pounds, you know, age 19 and about to turn 20 and and really transitioning from long distance running to bodybuilding, whatever that sport was, I was still learning. Sorry to interrupt. And what made you decide to switch from long distance running to bodybuilding? Yeah, it was because getting bigger and stronger was something that I always wanted to do. You know, I, I was just inspired by it. I saw I saw the muscle magazines and I, I saw before and after photos. And I, I saw the Bill Phillips Body for Life Challenge. And I thought you know, I could do this, you know, I mean, I'm good at running and I've enjoyed running and it's been, you know, it's been good for me. And I ran one year collegiately before I decided, you know, I want to start lifting weights. And so it was just a challenge to do something different. Okay. That's that's really what it was. And I enjoyed it and I enjoyed it. And so I started lifting weights and I looked at, you know, muscle magazines and these photos of before and after. And I thought, man, that's going to be me. And I went to the nutrition section of grocery stores and 
and started looking for like soy protein powders and sports supplements that were vegan. I, I started taking supplements and started documenting it in a journal and what I was taking when and and I was lifting weights and I was expecting to gain all this muscle. And after an entire year, I gained one pound, like just, just nothing. I was just like ground zero. And then I reflected on that. You know, I was, uh, you know, I could kind of quit and give up and go back to running. I mean, I'd only lost a year. I mean, why not? But then I stumbled upon the Body for Life program by Bill Phillips, very popular in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it was basically, really, it was kind of an accountability book. It was about, you know, being in the gym six days a week and eating six meals a day and, you know, this kind of thing. And so, Sonia, what I realized was that I was trying to build muscle. I had all the enthusiasm to do it. Like I was, I was pumped to do it, but I was still running. I was still cycling. I was still doing, you know, hundreds of push-ups and crunches every day. And, and on top of that, I was going to the gym and, and I never increased my calorie intake. I was just expending so many calories. And so what, what was happening was just, I was burning more calories than I was consuming. I was therefore not in a position to add mass, to just to add muscle. I mean, sure, I got lean and had some muscle definition from the weight training exercises, but I wasn't like getting bigger, you know, and, and adding more mass. And so once I figured out the Bill Phillips Body for Life program and made it kind of a vegan version of it and started eating six times a day, was weight training six days a week, I cut out the extra running and, and bike riding and some of the other cardiovascular training I was doing. And all of a sudden, in that 12-week program, I gained 19 pounds. I gained another 10 pounds over the next couple months and gained 28 pounds that year. And by the next year, I was basically a bodybuilder. And then I gained another 10 pounds after that uh, in my early 20s. And then I won a bodybuilding competition. And then I competed at the 2006 Natural Bodybuilding World Championships. And then I won another competition. I was runner up four times and I continued to build. And then after about a 10 year vegan bodybuilding career, you know, really kind of ran its course for me. It was a, a lot of stress on my lower back and on, on my joints and muscles and tendons. And then I made another transition, much like I did from runner to bodybuilder. I went back to my roots and decided what I really wanted to do, which was write. I really wanted to write books. I had been dreaming of doing that since I was an eight-year-old kid in third grade. My father had written about 15 textbooks, and I'd seen him write. and. I just enjoyed it. I just, I just enjoyed the art of writing, of creative storytelling. And so I sat down to write my first book. And I'd already written a bunch of other children's books and some other books. And I sat down and wrote a 300-page book. And I got an agent. This is 2008 at this point, about 13 years ago. I had an agent at this point. I shopped the book around, and it was rejected by everybody. <laughs> and so that book never made it. And I eventually decided that I would write a different book about what I dedicated the last 10 years of my life to, which was vegan bodybuilding. And I wrote a book called Vegan Bodybuilding, uh, actually Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness, which was the name of my brand, which is still the name of my brand. And I released that in 2010, just weeks after my 30th birthday. The goal was to get a book out there by 30, didn't make it. But a few weeks later, that book came out and that started what has been now a 10 or 11 year international speaking tour 
and it's been a really rewarding journey. I love that. So I wanted to ask about how your identity and maybe even confidence changed after you gained muscle and became a champion bodybuilder. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think a lot of things changed and I have to be honest, you know, including ego, like not just confidence, but you know, I was in my twenties and, and I, I thought I was like the next big thing. You know, there weren't a lot of vegan athletes out there. There was like me and Brandon Brazier and a couple of others. And yeah, I was one of the only people in the body, vegan bodybuilding world. There was a guy in the UK, a guy in Germany, a guy in California, and a woman in Maryland. And that was about it. Like, that, was, that was us. As far as people who were competing on stage as vegan bodybuilders, there were others who were vegan weightlifters and powerlifters and recreational lifters. But as far as those of us putting on posing trunks and competing on stage and sanctioned bodybuilding events, uh, there weren't that many of us back then. And so I think naturally, and I ran at the time, one of the most popular vegan websites around, veganbodybuilding.com. It was super popular before the days of Facebook and all of that. And it's, you know, it's still around 18 years later. But, you know, like I, because I was the guy that ran that website and I was competing and I was the one doing the interviews in like the New York Times and Wall Street Journal and Seattle Times and, you know, making magazine covers and newspaper covers and speaking at major universities and major festivals and then speaking internationally in Canada first, way back in 2005. So like 16 years ago, my first international lecture in Vancouver. And then, you know, eventually led to speaking all over the place from Australia to China to London. And during that time, though, as I got bigger and stronger, you know, so did my ego. And I had to deal with that because I thought, you know, that I was some sort of uh, special vegan bodybuilding specimen or something. And looking back, I wasn't even that, you know, that big or anything. I was just, there weren't a lot of people doing it back then. And so I just stood out mostly because I was speaking the loudest. And so, you know, I had to reflect on that. So, you know, naturally confidence grew and, and, and it gave me the ability and the platform to write about those experiences. But even if you look back at my first book that came out 11 years ago, there's a lot of ego in that book too. There's a lot of great stuff. You know, people love it for like some of the motivational stuff or the inspirational stuff. But a lot of that is like, you know, rah, 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 you know, I'm awesome. And, and I have to be honest about that. And, and so I've, I've really made a point over the last 10 years that I've been writing books to, to be aware of that and like step back from that. And of course, at this point, you know, I'm also in my 40s now, you know, I'm, I'm a lot different than when I was a 25-year-old, you know, champion vegan bodybuilder. And I, I just carry myself differently and I operate differently now. And I'm still driven by the same reasons that I got into veganism 26 years ago by trying to make a difference and lift others up and, and save lives and all of that. And so now, you know, I promote so many other plant-based athletes, you know, not just myself. In fact, I, I've barely even promoted my own books in the last six or nine or 12 months, yet I've been promoting a lot of other people's books and a lot of other plant-based bodybuilders and a lot of other vegan athletes uh, because, you know, I, I feel like, you know, they can resonate with people better than I can. And so I want to tell their stories and I want to promote their stories where back 15 years ago, I was the story to tell and maybe I wasn't the best representative back then. I was doing my thing and I was always smiling and staying positive, but a lot of it was, you know, inflated ego as well. And that eventually came down in my thirties and now in my forties, I'm able to you know, have some level of self-awareness and reflect back on what that journey has been like and some of those phases that I've gone through 
and what I've learned from those experiences. And I carry that with me today. Yeah, there is a difference between confidence and ego. And the more successful you get, it's something that does have to be checked. And I think a lot of people that have achieved things in their lives have have wrestled with this idea because you have to, you know, go all in to be successful at something. And then when you get the validation and the recognition for it, that does feed the ego. Was there an actual moment or impetus that made you realize like, wow, my ego is out of control right now? Yeah, absolutely. There was. And it was basically veganbodybuilding.com was incredibly popular, especially in North America. But there was this European website, veganfitness.net, that was essentially equally as popular. So we had veganbodybuilding.com and veganfitness.net. And back then we had these forums that were so popular. Just people would spend hours and hours a day chatting on forums. I imagine much like Reddit maybe is. I don't use Reddit, but it was a forum thing, you know, before Facebook groups existed. It was, that's where you went. And people would literally spend hours a day in conversation, chatting back and forth, posting photos. We had tons of people keep online training journals. They would update every day. Like it, was, it made this, the website super active because it just drew you in. And we had tons of people profiled on there, these vegan athlete bios and all that. And so I was the most active person. I had more than 20,000 posts that I had made on my own website forum. But I was also, I would use the Vegan Fitness Net forum too. And and their members would use my forum. And it was, you know, we intermix. And, and I remember that back in those early days, 2003, 2004, that a lot of the European athletes took issue with the self-promotion that I was doing as, you know, a North American athlete, where I remember saying things like, and it seems ludicrous now, but I remember defending myself by saying, hey, listen, you know, there have been a lot of golfers out there, you know, but then Tiger Woods came around, you know, and I'm that guy. I'm Tiger Woods. Like, all you guys have been doing your thing, but I'm the one competing, like, at the National Bodybuilding World Championships. I'm, I'm one of the only people getting up on stage, you know, and I've, and look, I went from 120 pounds to 195 pounds in a short amount of time. This is, and I worked incredibly hard at it, you know, like, super dedication, like, I mean, I was obsessed with being one of the hardest working people out there. And so I felt that and I wanted to, I wanted to be recognized as such, but the Europeans didn't like that because they, they weren't about ego. Like that's what I observed 15, 20 years ago. They weren't about ego, but more about community and about, you know, helping each other along the way. And a lot of them were, you know, they were, they didn't have the same kind of goals. You know, they didn't have, they didn't want to be in the spotlight or they, you know, I was filming a documentary in 2005 called Vegan Fitness Built Naturally that came out and sold thousands of DVDs that featured me and Brendan Brazier. I was doing those kind of projects. I was on speaking tour, T. Colin Campbell in the audience in 2005. I was going around to universities all over the U.S., talking to people, talking to students. Like, that was too much for them, especially the like, you know, look at me, look at me, flexing stuff was just too much for them. And that really came to a head in 2010. Because, so that had been building for a while, but I had just deflected it, you know, and I was doing my thing and I was organizing festivals that a thousand people showed up for. And I was organizing retreat events called Vegan Vacation, where people came from five different countries and we'd, we'd all train together and hang out together in a big rental house. And again, this is more than 15 years ago. And like, I was doing all these things. And then I told you about that 
that vegan bodybuilding book. I, I wrote that first vegan bodybuilding book. And in the initial draft, I had gotten caught up in the whole, the real big motivational community, the self-help community. You know, I was speaking on stage with David Wolf, who was, he was speaking on stage with Tony Robbins. And I was getting all expenses paid trips to Hawaii and other places to speak as really a motivational speaker. I was a motivational speaker before I was really a vegan speaker, even though I was already vegan, of course, but I was more about that, like the, you know, the 1,440 minutes in a day, which I already mentioned today and, and about apostrophes, you know, there is no, I can't, there's, I can no more. I won't, there's, I will, there's no more. I don't, there's, I do. And I do it today. And all this stuff, I was this rah, 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 motivational guy. And so when I released the outline or like what to expect from my vegan bodybuilding book, I had told my community of thousands of people that it was all about achieving these goals and making a name for yourself and even how you could make money at it, how you could build a brand and make money doing this. And I remember, and I was all excited, right? I was, I was in the camp of Tony Robbins and Les Brown and, and uh, all these people and the early stages of Gary Vaynerchuk. And I was go, go, go. And then people like heavily criticize it. Like, man, what a shame. Like, what a shame, what a waste to write a book about vegan bodybuilding and use it as some sort of motivational platform to highlight yourself or your accomplishments or even crazy things like building a brand or making money. And I realized then, okay, I need to restructure this and make it more about the process of building muscle and the process of vegan bodybuilding and the art of that and the tips and resources and meal plans and recipes. And so I made those changes and released the book. It still had a little bit of that, you know, that ego tone, even on the cover. You know, I was my, the subtitle or my title is Robert Cheek, the world's most recognized vegan bodybuilder, because at the time I was, and I was for many years. And I used that term and I lived up to that term. But obviously that's not relevant today. You know, there's Nima Delgado, Tori Washington, there's all these vegan bodybuilders that are more well known now. But I, I carried that status for 10 years or so and enjoyed it. But those were some of the experiences where I realized that confidence and ego had intertwined and one had maybe taken over the helm and was the captain of the ship. And again, looking back, I wasn't even that great at I wasn't a great bodybuilder. I was just one of the few that was doing it. And I competed in, in natural bodybuilding federations that were drug tested. And so the athletes weren't as, you know, weren't as big and like they are in, in, in steroid divisions and all this. And, you know, I, I think it was just one of those common things of being a, a big fish in a small pond. And then I got out into the bigger world where now these days, 2021, there are so many plant-based athletes and so many projects like the Game Changers and From the Ground Up and Scott Jurek's book and all of Brendan Brazier's work and your work and Rich Roll's podcast and Fiona Oaks and all these great people all doing their thing. And now I'm just one of many, you know, as a, a, a smaller fish in a, in a bigger pond. But the pond itself is making a bigger impact for veganism and for animal rights. And so I embrace the pond and I embrace the size of my current fish. Yeah, man, If I wish we had hours to record because there's so many things I'd love to continue on that path. 
But I want to come back to the original question where I interrupted you and then took us off course. Some tips for people looking to build vegan muscle, like how many calories, you know, do people need? And then people think like bodybuilders need to consume this crazy amount of protein. Can you go that direction? <laughs> That's funny. I totally missed that question because we did go off, off course. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I can rattle these off pretty quickly. I mean, the, the tips for building muscle are, I mean, number one, you have to be consistent. Consistency is one of the most important words in the world. It defines who you are and who you become what your actions do. So you have to be consistent. And what that means is that, you know, consistent with resistance weight training, consistent with an adequate meal plan, consistent with eating a calorie surplus if your goal is to build muscle and gain mass, which is what we're talking about and which is you know, what I kind of specialize in. So you've got to do that. You've got to be consistent and you've got to show up every day. You just got to show up over and over and over and make progressive gains and, and progress every step of the way. And then you've got to do resistance weight training. I mean, you can you can do body weight exercises, you can do cardiovascular exercises, you can use machines, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, the most bang for your buck is getting those free weights, dumbbells, barbells, or machines, but you know, using a, a strong exertion and a high intensity and high effort. You've got to create those tears and muscle fibers. You've got to stress your body. You've got to tax your body to allow it to recover, repair, regrow, you know, and grow. And so you've got to do some sort of weight training. And then you've got to look at your nutritional intake. You know, understand how many calories you're expending every day. And you can use the, the Harris-Benedict calculator or Harris-Benedict equation to figure that out based on your gender, age, height, weight, activity level. What are you burning every day? You know, it's, it's an estimated number, but it's a common calculation that a lot of people use, including myself for 10 years now. Like, what do I expend every day? So I have some sort of awareness of what I need to consume as far as calorie intake to maintain weight, to gain weight, or to lose weight. And so figure out what your calorie expenditure is and then create an intake that's going to have a surplus in calories so that you add muscle mass. And you want to make sure those calories are of uh, high quality nutritional sources as often as possible. You know, long gone are the days of, this is, you, you probably know this, this is a popular bodybuilding thing to eat just cartons of ice cream, you know, to put on mass. Like that's what bodybuilders were doing. Drinking a gallon of milk or, or literally just eating cartons of ice cream, just sitting there just eating ice cream wow. because that's a lot of calories. I'm going to put on all this muscle now. Well, it's not exactly how that works. What I would suggest is that your calorie surplus, you know, beyond the ones you expend should come from lentils and beans and sweet potatoes, and yams, and rice, and oats, and tofu, and fruits of all types, and leafy greens, and cruciferous vegetables, those kind of foods. And so that's what I do, and that's what I've done. So, so let's just say, give a, a really easy scenario, okay? So let's just say, just I'm just making up a random person. A person needs to consume 2,500 calories a day based on all their activity and their gender, height, and weight, and all that stuff in order to maintain weight, okay? So this person wants to gain muscle and build mass and get you know bigger and stronger, but particularly just adding mass here we're just talking about, not strength. They would need to consume more than 2,500 calories per day, perhaps 2,800 calories per day, 29, 3,000, and have that every single day. So it accumulates. So now all of a sudden you've consumed excess of thousands of calories per week, many thousands per month, you know, tens of thousands per year. But if they're coming from good quality sources, you know, eggplant and corn and peppers and, 
you know, wild rice and all these different things, mangoes, then you're great if you're eating, you know, processed foods and junk foods and refined foods and the candies and sodas and ice creams, vegan or not, you're not going to get there. But if that person who I was when I was 19, with the goals and aspirations of getting bigger and stronger, consumes 2,200 calories per day, even though they're working hard, even though they care, they feel it right here. That's their passion. You know, they're dedicated. They're hardworking. They believe in themselves wholeheartedly. They're not going to do it. You can't do it. You can't undereat and expect to grow. Just like we have most of North America is overweight now. I don't know what the number is, but, you know, being overweight is, you know, it's like 50, 60, 70%. And then, you know, obesity is whatever that number is. I, I should know it, but I don't. But it's, but as far as just being overweight, it's most of us. And, and that is because we consume more than we expend without realizing it, largely because of two or three main factors. One, that we, we're unaware of the calories that are in certain foods like sodas, like processed foods, like oils and sugars that are added to pastries, cakes, desserts, comfort foods, fried foods, things that we like. We're just consuming thousands of calories per day without knowing it. And our activity level is low. We sit in front of a computer all day, in front of a television, in front of our smartphones. We don't do stuff anymore. We're not active. That combination leads to being overweight and obese at record numbers, which then has all these other health implications, as you know. And so using that example, if you needed to eat 2,500 calories to maintain weight, then you, you've got to bump that up to build mass. And so, you know, documenting your food intake for a few days is a great idea. I, I absolutely don't believe in, in counting calories every single day, but to have some sort of awareness of who you are and what you eat and what your preferences are. And you learn a lot about yourself doing that. You realize, wow, I, I maybe I've been vegan for all these years, but I don't eat any salad greens. Or I live in the desert, but I don't really drink very much water at all. Or I had no idea that I eat chocolate every single day or that I'm addicted to caffeine or that I don't like avocados or that bananas are part of my, you know, everyday lifestyle. Like you, you learn these things about yourself and then you have the key word, the, the, the one of the, again, one of the most important words, you, you, then you have control, you have control over your outcome. And that's what bodybuilding taught me because in bodybuilding, I had to either build muscle or burn fat. I mean, I, you may know how it works, but you know, I was 195 pounds but I competed at 176, sometimes 172. I had to lose 20 pounds before competition. So how do you do that? Well, you, you understand what, how you change your calorie intake where you can still maintain muscle, but you burn fat, you drop water weight, you do these kind of things. And so that's part of the process. So I became essentially as an experiment, just learning how to be a bodybuilder, I almost became an expert at building muscle and burning fat by accident because I had to live that lifestyle as most bodybuilders do. And then figuring out how to do that on a plant-based diet was kind of unique. And then having complete control was just, it was just so cool. You know, I could, uh, I could, I could drop down to 170 pounds and have a certain look. I could go back up to 200 pounds and have a certain look right now. I'm 220 pounds by choice because I'm, I'm trying to build mass, especially with a new book coming out. I wanted to have, I wanted to achieve the full 100 pound weight gain because <laughs> that's like hardly anybody does that. It's kind of weird. And it's almost, it's not even like desirable for most people. Like, what are you talking about? Most of us gain weight without trying. But again, I wanted to show, yes, you can on a vegan diet. Yes, you can as a plant-based athlete. If you want to be a bodybuilder, you want to be strong, you want to, you know, achieve 
personal goals or even just to show, you know, as an example that you can do this, I wanted to show that. So now I'm right before my new book launch, I'm a hundred pounds up, but that's by design. If I want to be 180 pounds, you know, X number of months down the road, I could do it because I know how to do that. Change my calorie intake, increase my cardiovascular exercise, get into efficient fat burning zones, cut out the refined processed foods, reduce oil and intake, cut refined sugars or added sugars out, reduce my total calorie intake, increase my overall uh, calorie expenditure. So I'm burning more. it's, it's, It's easy once you figure it out. Once you have a grasp of it, you're in control. And that's what I that's what I really value about bodybuilding. There's a lot that I don't like about bodybuilding, including the ego, including the, you know, look at me culture, including the abuse that is done with anabolic drugs and steroids, the extreme dieting. There's a lot of things too. You know, the way women are treated in the sport there, you know, there's just a lot I don't like about bodybuilding, but what I like about it or the thing or the tools that I've been able to learn from it and apply to my life and take away some of the positive aspects of just having control over my my health and fitness and th- and that's meaningful to me. Yeah, a lot of people feel like they don't have control over weight gain or weight loss or how shredded they want to look and you know, I've I've been in that camp myself because like as a cyclist you want to be able to control your weight because some races, especially races that have you know, 30,000 feet of climbing, you want to be maybe five pounds lighter to make it a little bit easier on yourself. Um, But you mentioned, you know, you need to have an excess of calories. And you mentioned the calories need to be high quality, like beans, lentils, greens, eggplant, cruciferous vegetables. And a lot of these foods are low calorie, and they also are high volume, and you need to be able to eat, you know, 4,000, 5,000 calories a day. So how do you physically eat enough you know, because you feel full. I actually had this because, you know, I'm training and I'm breastfeeding and that requires a lot more calories. And I was losing weight and I, I've never been in that situation. So I was actually trying to eat four to 5,000 calories a day. And I had a lot of respect for people that do that on a daily basis. So how do you do that? Well, you came to the right place (laughs) because I used to document my calorie intake and I was eating 5,000 calories per day during a period of time. And I documented it. So what you do is you you determine what the calorie density of certain foods are. Well, of all foods, you can. So having an understanding of calorie density and a calorie density chart is hugely important. So some of the foods that are really high in calories, well, nothing's higher than oil. It's four thousand calories per pound of pure fat. But nuts and seeds are very very high up there. They're twenty eight hundred calories uh, approximately per pound. So nut butters, you know, or seed butters. Like last night, I had a two-hour leg workout, um, and believe it or not, before, not after, <laughs> before the workout, I had like six of these English muffins with sunflower butter on them. I mean, it was, uh, it was, a, lot of, it was a lot of calories. And then afterwards, I had 1,000 calories for dinner, which was a black bean soup with some the cassava chips, and then a pad thai uh, or pad, a pad noodle soup, and, and a clearly Canadian soda, another Canadian reference, 90 calories in that, in that bad boy. And then, you know, I had some fruit, you know, after the fact, um, before bed and it was over a thousand calories just in my dinner, but my pre-workout was like a thousand calories too. So looking at calorie density, let's just cover that real quick, real quick calorie density scale. On one end, you have leafy green vegetables like kale, spinach, as little as 60 calories per pound, six, zero, 60. Uh, but let's round up to a hundred because that's just easier. 
So 100 calories per pound for most leafy greens. 40 times that is the oil, 4,000, right? So 40-fold difference. So you can't just eat salads all day and expect to gain weight. You know, I know I mentioned things like eggplant and you know potatoes and rice, but as you'll see, some of those fit in nicely. So leafy greens here, oil over here. Now, second, most vegetables. Most vegetables are around like 200 calories per pound and fruits about 300 calories per pound. And then you get into like grains, you know, uh, around 500 calories per pound for grains. And legumes tend to be maybe 500 to 650 calories per pound, lentils, uh, pinto beans, black beans, split peas, these kinds of things. I don't, ex I don't remember where avocado fits in, but I think it's higher, uh, just higher fat content. Uh, and then you get into, uh, I have these in my book, the chart, like, you know, you know junk book? foods are like 2,300 calories. Uh, the new book, well, actually, Shreddit might have it too, but um, the plant-based athlete has the calorie density chart in there and all, and all the categories listed, including some junk foods. And I think meat and dairy are probably listed in there too. So you kind of get a feel for that. You know, meat tends to be 1,000, 2,000 calories per pound or around that, 1,400 or so. So that's like seven times the calorie density of vegetables. So it's, it's no wonder why standard American diet, uh, you take meat, let's say that's set five to seven times more calorie dense than than vegetables and many fruits and, and, you know, 15 times the calorie density of leafy greens. And then you cover it with oil and fried foods. Then you add breads and, you know, which are, I don't know what they are, 1500 calories per pound. They're high. You have a recipe for just excess calorie consumption like crazy, but you can do that on a vegan diet if you like. Like I said, you can do vegan breads, you can do these nut butters, seed butters, nuts and seeds themselves. You can do avocados, lentils, these kind of foods. And by the end of the day, you can easily get that four to 5,000 calorie range, you know, if you so desire. Another easy way to do it, Sonia, probably the easiest way is simply with a blender, you know, <laughs> a Vitamix, Blendtec, a powerful blender. You can throw whatever you want in there. You can even put uh, beans in there. You know, you can put avocado in there to thicken up a smoothie. Um, you can put nuts and nut butters in there. So, you know, you can drink calories that way. Is it, you know, make a smoothie. You, you can make a great one like chocolate peanut butter. Who doesn't love that? Most people do. You can make a super calorie dense chocolate peanut butter smoothie or shake, but it could be with things like hemp milk and hemp seeds and chia seeds added and, you know, all this stuff or omega-3 and 6 essential fats and good quality protein and, and carbohydrates from fruit and leafy greens for nutrition and antioxidants and all of this stuff and still be super calorie dense and really filling and satiating as well. So that's how you do it. I mean, and right now what I'm doing is just for the fun of it and for some like bonuses when people order the book and all that, I'm documenting everything that I eat uh, for an entire week, include every calorie consumed, every ounce of liquid, every minute of exercise, every minute of weight training versus cardio exercise, every minute of sleep, because I want to show people exactly, you know, at least in my perspective, from my personal example, what a 25-year vegan athlete eats during a week for a guy who weighs 220 pounds and who has gained 100 pounds. So I can show people. I can also show people what that would look like if I was trying to burn fat, which I could easily do. You know, obviously I'm carrying some body fat because I'm, I'm trying to bulk up. Uh, but I could, I could easily adjust that dietary intake in order to get more shredded, um, which I wrote about in Shredded, aptly named. So, you know, you mentioned that some of this is in the book and we've been talking about a lot of really important things and you have so much wisdom and information for people about feeling like they're in control of their weight 
whether it's gaining or losing, feeling that, you know, work ethic and consistency are really important things to be successful at, at anything in life. And that the difference between confidence and ego exists. And in order to, you know, work on that is to help create a platform and highlight other people and to be of service to others. And the book, The Plant-Based Athlete, can you tell people what this book is about? Yeah, The, the Plant-Based Athlete is about telling the compelling stories of the world's greatest plant-based athletes. That is a journey that I've been on for years. I first started writing this book in 2013, almost got picked up by a publisher. The last minute didn't work out. So I went and self-published three books in between then, you know, just figured I'd take it easy and, uh, <laughs> and, and just, you know, just chill out and relax for a bit and wrote about a thousand pages for three other books, which then positioned me to be able to write this book. And so in order to bring this book to life, it, it took a lot of steps, to be honest. I mean, I had this great concept. I mean, telling the stories of the, the compelling stories of the world's greatest plant-based athletes, as well as sharing meal plans and recipes and, and plant-based nutrition information and aspects of, of mental strength and toughness and, and workout recovery and enjoyment and following your passion, all this, it makes for a great book. But, you know, I was told that I wasn't, you know, popular enough or influential enough to write it by myself. So, you know, I could easily, easily self-publish a book like this, like I'd done throughout my career. But I went out and, and got an agent a very good agent, one who's worked with uh, major authors, New York Times bestselling books and very popular books. And the agent was excited about the concept. You know, we've had a lot of success with, um, actually the Game Changers wasn't out by then. I pitched this in 2018. The, it wasn't out, but a lot of people knew about it, of course, but it wasn't out until the following year. And so there was, but there was still, there were a lot of plant-based athletes out there and it was, it was on the rise. You know, Beyond Meat was getting really popular. Forks Over Knives was still super relevant. What the health of famous athletes, you know, Venus and Serena Williams in tennis. And um, I don't think uh, Novak Djokovic was vegan quite yet or plant-based at the time, nor was Chris Paul or other big name athletes today. But there was always the, there was always Rich Roll and there was always uh, Brandon Brazier and Fiona Oaks and Christine Varderos and Megan Duhamel and Scott Jurek. And, you know, the list goes on and on. And so the agent liked the concept, but basically said, you know, you're not going to write it on your own. So I had to go out and find a co-author. And I thought about it, and it didn't take me long to realize that Matt Frazier from No Meat Athlete, a friend of 10 years, someone who's endorsed all of my books, and I've endorsed all of his, and his brand No Meat Athlete and my brand Vegan Bodybuilding, focusing on with No Meat Athlete endurance athletes and vegan bodybuilding strength and power athletes, that this would be the perfect combination. And he's got a, a bigger brand than I do. He reaches more people, but I'm more of a public person than he is. He's behind the scenes. I'm a, I've been on a 15-year speaking tour. I travel over the world. I have a fully funded Vegan Strong tour that I'm at mainstream events, you know, fitness expos and all that all the time, lots of celebrity contacts and all this stuff. And so we have like the introvert, extrovert, the, the running endurance background, the, vegan, the bodybuilding background. The Matt's more of the business and marketing side of things. I'm more of like the social, like connecting with athletes and doing interviews. And, and so we, we decided to work together. So I reached out to him and he said yes. And we started working on this thing in, in early 2019. And we had a lot of things to learn along the way, a lot of obstacles and, and bumps along this course, working with the world's second largest publisher and just the steps involved in that. 
But along the way, I personally uh, had the great privilege to interview about 60 world-class plant-based athletes, including yourself, and so many great world champions, Olympians, elite athletes, medalists, professionals in all walks of life and all types of sports from, you know, sports like mountain biking to kayaking to tennis to soccer to basketball to football to hockey to long distance running to professional wrestling to Olympic gold medal sprinter to swimmers and triathletes and duathletes and, you know, you name it. Boxers, in fact, we have like three world champion boxers interviewed in the book. I mean, uh, powerlifters, bodybuilders, bikini athletes, figure athletes, so many different athletes. And it was such an incredible experience to interview these athletes and learn from them. And that's what I wanted to do with this book in the first place. I wanted to tell these stories. You know, what makes you a world champion? You know, what makes you stand out? What makes you overcome drug addiction and become an Olympic medalist? What makes you go from being 420 pounds, morbidly obese, to then becoming an ultra marathon champion? Not just running in an ultra marathon, but winning one, running a hundred miles and winning that race, and coming in second in the you know a 50 mile race or a hundred kilometer race or other ultra marathons. In the case of uh, Josh Lajani, I'm referring to in this situation, or Dotsie Bausch previously uh, over overcoming addiction to things like cocaine. You know, not you know, addiction to caffeine, but like addiction to something super serious and becoming an Olympic medalist or about, you know, Megan Duhamel, who ha had a dream of being, an, an, uh, you know, an Olympian and, and it almost, you know, almost left her grasp, you know, and then, and then she became, you know, this world champion, this Olympic gold medalist and the people uh, who overcame a lot of personal struggle. Uh, John Joseph, who's an Ironman triathlete and has been plant-based for 40 years, who had to overcome a lot to be in his position. And Scott Jurek, who went on to be one of the greatest runners in history, not just greatest vegan runners or plant-based runners, but just one of the greatest to ever run and be able to share his story. You know, and, and Fiona Oaks, who was, you know, she's missing a kneecap in her right knee and was told she may not even walk properly and went on to set four Guinness World Records for marathon running and has had an elite career spanning decades and a bunch of European cyclists and, and national champions in their sports, uh, representing their country and being the best in the entire country at their sport. And some people who are the best in the entire world in their sport and learning about what it means to believe in yourself, you know, what it means to show up every day, what it means to work hard, what it means to fail, what it means to succeed, what it means to represent something bigger than yourself representing your country, your sport, your movement, your mission, your passion, your identity, your label that you put on yourself as vegan or plant-based, what that means. I interviewed a bunch of people from the Game Changers, including James Wilkes, who's the creator and star of the Game Changers, about what that journey was like. And importantly, I, I, something I really wanted to do was to tell the stories of a lot of the elite, professional, and amazing women in the plant-based athlete space. Because women are often underlooked or, or underappreciated, but we we talked with not just you and Megan Duhamel and Dotsie Bausch, but also Darcy Gaither and Vanessa Espinoza and Natalie Matthews and Harriet Davis and and Caitlin Cook and Christine Vardaros and Fiona Oaks and and so many amazing female plant based athletes, and that's something that I'm really proud of as well. 
because I think it's important. And and we also talk to people uh, from all different cultural backgrounds and different races and and different upbringings and you know all different groups of people from around the globe. And it was just really a, a fascinating experience. And it, that was one of the most rewarding parts of writing this book was conducting those interviews and follow-up interviews and more follow-up interviews in many cases and being able to tell those stories. What were the top three things that you learned or were inspired by? Because that's a lot of people, a lot of information, and maybe there's been some new things that you heard. Yeah. And I, and I only listed, you know, some of them, of course, there's a whole bunch of, and a bunch of Canadians in there, you know, um, uh, Kevin Hill, you know, Olympic, Olympic medalist from Canada and snowboarding and his sister Shonda Hill is a world champion and in, in crazy ultra triathlon events. And I mean, just insane stuff that she does. And Julia Murray, of course, Olympic skier. And, you know, there's the list goes on and on of amazing Canadian athletes in the book and, and others who, you know, like like George LaRock, I think, was from Haiti originally, but he's been in Montreal for a long time and had a 13-year NHL career, and he's just incredible. <laughs> really, really nice guy. Uh, you know, the, I've already said it a few times, and, and there's a reason for it. I keep talking about showing up, and that's something that I really, it really hit home with me in the book. Your story, Scott Jurek's story, Rich Roll's story. Rip Esselstyn's story, John Joseph's story, you know, those really, really spoke to me about doing what it takes and, and showing up day after day. And that actually inspired me a lot during the writing because writing is, is very much like training. It, it's exhausting. I mean, I have to take like, you know, I just pass out at night after 12 hours of just thinking, just like, how can I word this? And how can I tell the story and how can I come up with a sentence of this paragraph and use the best language that I can and, and make it inspirational and aspirational and, and honest and tell their story. And, and it, it was exhausting, but when I would read, you know, your story, you know, about, you know, competing in the Himalayas or the Sahara desert, or, you know, and I think it was you who, who talks about if it's raining outside, you can say, Oh no, you know, today's going to be awful day on the race course and I, I'm dreading this, you, you know, or you can be like, this is an opportunity for me to just let go and just have fun and be free and, and like, you know, be a little uh, kid and get really muddy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hoop and holler or whatever you said. I think that was you like that, that spoke to me, you know, and there were a lot of other inspirational stories like Robbie Ballinger's run across America, you know, 3,175 miles he ran in 75 days. That's, you know, marathon and a half on average every single day through all kinds of conditions and all kinds of elevation, uh, climb and descent. And, uh, you know, obviously Scott Jurek's Appalachian Trail speed record that he set at the time. And it, but it all, it all comes down to showing up like you've got to be at the starting line in order to achieve those things. And what it means to even get to the starting line, like you, you, you have to dig deeper. You have to figure out why you're doing it why it matters to you, why you're there, you know, what it's going to mean to you when you do it, what it can mean to you if you don't, if you don't even try, those kind of things really, uh, really connected with me and made me want to work harder while I was writing the book. Like I'm just sitting here in a chair, you know, at a keyboard. And if these athletes are able to do these incredible things in areas that mean something to them, you know, I can get out of my chair and go, sit basically in another chair in a gym and press on a machine. Like that's not that hard, 
you know, I even thought about that yet that last night, you know, I just was, was traveling for the first time in a very long time, you know, just due to COVID and everything, but I was filming a, a national TV spot. So we were filming for eight hours a day or eight hours in one day for something that's, you know, hopefully going to reach millions of households about vegan athletes. And, you know, I crossed four time zones in two days and I knew I had this you know, somewhat, you know, morning interview with you. And I had an hour long meeting with Matt before this. And, but I, but I wanted to get my two hour workout in yesterday, you know, again, thinking of even just the example that you set of the work ethic and the drive and the mental toughness. And, and I love that about the book that when I interviewed people, some things naturally came out to be their own section. Like you have a section about mental toughness in our book, because your interview naturally went in that way. It like it naturally flowed in that direction that I could pull that out from your interview and make a special part of the book, you know, mental toughness from, from a world champion. And I appreciate that. And, and there was also some other, there's this Olympian, Andreas Voita, he's a Olympic runner from Austria. He's 38 national records. I mean, he's incredible. You know, and, and I was able to pull some things out from his experience and and pull things from Vanessa Espinoza, you know, who trains once or twice a day, seven days a week and has for 20 years. So she's been able to adapt to that workload and her body is used to that. And, and she's able to perform in a way that doesn't seem realistic, but it's also not realistic to run across the country. Like, you know, like, like Robbie did, but you can build up to that. And so, I mean, that's all, that's all still number one, I guess, was that the importance of showing up and, and knowing why you're, you're there in the first place. And another thing I took away from the book, which was, was really kind of fascinating is that you would think there would be kind of one size fits all approach to, you know, the best of the best, the best plant-based athletes in the world from these different sports, men and women, different backgrounds, they must all kind of eat and drink the same. That's not the case. There are a lot of things that are similar, of course, uh, plant-based diet being one of them. And, uh, and it almost ends there. <laughs> and that's the interesting thing is that there's lots of versions of a plant-based diet. Some who use supplements, some who don't, some who focus on processed foods and whole foods, some who do whole foods exclusive, some who focus on organic foods, some who don't. And th there's still some other similarities in there, you know, with, with certain foods being cornerstones and, and key aspects, you know, like, like the ones you might suspect, beans and potatoes and rice and fruit and leafy greens and things like that. But it was also fascinating to, to see that, that we really focused on in this book, the evidence-based uh, scientific studies about you know what what an athlete really should be consuming for recovery, for optimal performance, for energy, you know protein requirements and all this stuff, but also to find that in, not not everyone falls under the same category and they eat you know a, a bit differently and still achieve world class status. And I found that I found that to be fascinating because it's, it's part of that is an experiment. You know when you're interviewing people, it's an experiment. You don't know what you're going to find, and then you then I. What I found was, after interviewing about a dozen Olympians, for example, is that many of them feared they were going to fail drug tests if they used sports supplements. And so they didn't, not even protein powders for many of them. And these are some of the best athletes in the world. And, and you'd think they're all using lots of supplements and all this, but they weren't necessarily. So that was interesting. And uh, so I guess that would be, you know, that would be number two, I guess, is the fact that people that I interviewed eat and live and perform you know, differently, yet they all achieve that elusive result of world-class championship status, uh, which is which is amazing. And we focused on that in the book with a sample day in the life that many athletes contributed, you know, kind of walking through their day, morning till night. 
And that was really interesting. And I think number three, perhaps, was that in looking at the scientific studies and the recent literature, including a lot that came out in, in late 2020 and early 2021, is that we have more and more science now that shows the benefits of a plant-based diet because it's, it's mostly anecdotal, right? Our, our own personal experiences, and this is what worked for me, and this is what worked for you, and this is what worked for us, and this is what you know works for our clients or our you know our trainers, our coaches. This is what works for athletes who follow our footsteps, whatever the case is. But I like the fact that there is now a number of studies that show a plant-based diet being just as beneficial as an animal-based diet as far as building strength and, and muscle mass and, and achieving those strength results that are you know, often called into question much more than, let's say, endurance results. So I would say, I would say kind of those three things were compelling and stood out to me you know, more than others. Yeah, eating for health versus eating for performance don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah, and it was, and that was kind of interesting to realize that. And some athletes are quick to acknowledge that, and they might be some of the best in the world, like Scott Jurek, who's like, yeah, you know, it's not exactly, you know, super healthy, but this this is the stuff that you need to power through running 165 miles in a single day, which he did to set a <laughs> a, a world record. That's like six marathons in a single day. And so, yeah, that's something that uh, I think might surprise some people. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, we could definitely keep talking about this, but I think people are ready to check out this book. So where can people find it and when is it available? Yeah. So thanks, Sonia. The Plant-Based Athlete is super exciting. It comes out June 15th in stores everywhere. And that's the benefit of working with a major publisher. So in Canada, it'll be in chapters and all those places. In the U.S., Barnes & Noble and Walmart and Target and Books A Million and everywhere. And of course, it's on Amazon. In fact, you can pre-order now. And, and we love that. That it just helps us keep the ball rolling and momentum going and helps us get closer to making the bestseller list because pre-orders count towards the bestseller list. So people can uh, find just search Plant-Based Athlete on Amazon and find it right there. Uh, you can also learn more about it on nomeatathlete.com and on veganbodybuilding.com where we both have some book pages that they give some of the endorsements from the book, uh, from the the greats like T. Colin Campbell and Brenda Davis and John Robbins and and Carl Esselstyn and Michael Greger and those who've endorsed the book, as well as an opportunity to get a bunch of digital bonuses when you do pre-order. And so you can find that, again, on nomeatathlete.com and veganbodybuilding.com. And where can people find you? Because there's so many things that you said today that just barely was the chip off the iceberg that people might want to dive deeper into. Yeah, yeah, thanks. You know, and I'm just starting to do these conversations. It's, it's a little bit hard for me. You know, I've even dealt with some anxiety over the years, and and it's sometimes it's, it's sometimes it's hard for me to uh, articulate in ways that I I do so much better at with a pen and paper or keyboard. <laughs> but but yeah, veganbodybuilding.com is where uh, that's my website. Also, just you know, Robert Cheek with an e on the end, C H E E K E. When you look on social media. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, that kind of thing. You can find me there and I'm, I'm starting to get more active on those with a, with a new book coming out. That's just kind of a prerequisite to do that. And uh, yeah, I appreciate anyone's, anyone's interest and in looking up some of the other books that I've written or some of the topics that I've covered in articles for many websites and platforms. And so I look forward to seeing people on veganbodybuilding.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. And also, I just want to acknowledge your persistence and hard work and you showing up every single day because, I mean, we just talked about the last 25 years and an hour and 15 minutes and 
there are just so many amazing things that you've done and people telling you no and closing doors and you opening new ones and then you know sharing your your humbling personal journey it just it was really great to hear your story and i'm so grateful and inspired and humbled that i'm included in the book because I always think like, well, why me? And I just am really grateful for that too. So thank you for everything that you're doing. And it was just such a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Sonia. I know we went a little bit over time. I'm a, I'm a bit of a talker when I get going. And I appreciate your 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 patience putting up with the, the long responses. And I also just, I appreciate all your contributions to the plant-based athlete too. I'm, I'm so glad we were able to connect and interact over the last, the last year, I guess it's been since we first connected at uh, almost a year. And I appreciate you having me on the show today. I hope you enjoyed that episode. High five for being here today. I so, so appreciate you. And I'm with you on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day. See you next week.